Thank you for listening in right now. Glad to have you here. My name is Nyla, and this is Greener Thoughts. I help you understand the environment today so you can experience a greener life. Let's connect online. You can reach Greener Thoughts by voice message. The anchor.fm link is in each episode's show notes. You can do so via the Anchor app or by email at greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. So there are just a few environmental announcements, namely the uh, June um, holidays. So the first one is the summer solstice, which was the longest day uh, within the year, and it was on June 21st. And then National Aboriginal Day is June, also the the 21st. Uh, Aboriginals are awesome, and um, they need representation. Number three is World Draft Day, and it's on June the 21st. And then um, the fourth one is International Climate Change Day that is also on June the 21st. So keep those in mind for um, you know other dates in the future. Um, I also want to just um, note uh, to all the listeners, all you wonderful listeners that are out there, and... Um, you know, you're keeping the podcast going um, in several different ways. I just want to um, reach out and, you know, talk about it a little bit um, and, uh, and say sorry as to, you know, having backlogs of dates and not necessarily um, publishing out on time, even though it is retroactive because it's now way later in the year. Um, as you can see in the description of the podcast episode, um, sometimes it's hard to find a quiet place, but um, that's one thing I want to work on um, as a podcaster and host. Uh, I, prob- I shouldn't have um, not been doing episodes as consistently, though with full-time work, um, especially uh, earlier within the year, it was not um, advised you know, to really you know, stretch myself because these episodes take a while to prepare. Um, you know, hours and, and hours and stuff, and it, you know, wears on me sometimes because I have to stay up and everything, but um, I'll try to, you know, keep up the content, and as always, just leave, you know, good info in the podcast description, and I appreciate uh, everyone who, uh, you know, points um, these podcast episodes to someone else, you know, in their direction, or um, just really loves listening in on the special segments or even emails me or sends me voice messages. I do cherish them and I do, you know, give shout outs, uh, and follow up podcast episodes and I have to do one, um, really soon. Uh, so I don't forget, but thank you as always for, um, you know, listening in on Greener Thoughts. It really, really brightens my spirit and um, I, do, I do it all for you all. And no matter what, I want to you know, keep on chugging along and um, you know, doing my thing on the podcast, but also helping out uh, to those who want to you know, get this great information and exchange um, you know, their experiences. And we learn a lot from each other. So thank you.
Next up is a segment, Headlines from the Hemispheres. It's where we talk about amazing headlines all across the world, environmental ones. And so uh, if I talk about your country, that's, you know, a really good thing. And maybe you'll, you know, hear it in um, future episodes, all types of different headlines and news um, cycles in and out every single day. So I try and grab the best um, uh, buried uh, headlines and uh, succinct them in a brief way. Uh, and one of the latest um, stories is out of China. So if you have someone who um, is out uh, living there or maybe is from there, then maybe they've heard of this animal and about the, the positive news uh, surrounding this animal. So pangolins protected in China as scales removed from medicine list. This was a found on Positive News, uh, the website Positive.News. Uh, it's a website and it's a magazine online, and I think it's in print as well. But very um, much uh, environmental, environmentally savvy, and it's out of the UK, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I've talked on a, on a few different um, uh, segments, uh, headlines from the hemispheres, and so I hope that you. Um, go ahead and check it out for yourself. It's a really great, um, you know, editorial um, piece. Uh, it's it's got amazing reads in it, and it seems pretty popular. So uh, this story comes out of China, and so China recently granted uh, pangolins uh, the highest form of protection that they can have, and removed um, their uh, body parts, their scales, from the list of ingredients that are approved for use in Chinese medicine. So this ban kind of follows the, um, the start of the coronavirus huge pandemic. As we all know, it originated at a wet market in Wuhan. And the Chinese government uh, just upgraded the protection status of the pangolin. pangolin, And this includes Chinese and uh, Sunda um, pangolins. And so it's at a national level one, which is at the same level as a giant panda. So these pangolins have the same recognition and safeguards and protections as the fellow um, uh, giant panda, which comes also from China. And pangolins are pretty special because they are one of the most trafficked uh, wild animals in the world, period. But also they're native to Asia and they've uh, really been pushed to extinction. But because of this um, ban uh, on the use of scales in uh, modern Chinese medicine, then their numbers can probably like increase a bit more and it'll be uh, safe from being extracted uh, for use. And um, there, there is a positive side uh, to um, them being removed from uh, use as far as their body parts, but uh, there's been increases in the shipments uh, to Africa, the continent, um, you know, just um, by way of products and things like that. And somehow there's been an uptick uh, towards uh, Africa. So that is pretty... Um, alarming, and that's the negative side, um, I guess, to this. The uh, second um, headline is about also the coronavirus a little bit, um, but also minks. So we're going to need to talk about minks. So coronavirus rips through Dutch mink farms, triggering colds 
And so this was found on sciencemag.org. I love uh, science. Uh, it's a great um, journal uh, period for all things uh, science. They have so many different sections and they have an online magazine that's free and, and most of their articles are unlockable. Like you can um, read them, share them for free and some of them are locked. They have amazing content and then they're, official, they're the official site of um, Science Magazine. So this story comes out of the Netherlands. So SARS-CoV-2 uh, um, it is um, the disease that we all know as the coronavirus, and it's recently been uh, attacking and worrying um, farms in the Netherlands because it's been uh, really affecting the uh, animals there, um, especially those that raise their animals for fur, and um, they're worrying that uh, mink uh, animals will be in infected um, with the, um, you know, virus and, um, it's an outbreak that isn't really getting any better anytime soon. So the coronavirus, as we all know, SARS, uh, COVID-2, it infects, uh, other types of beings other than people. So we can pass it to animals, but they can't do it in the reverse. It can affect animals like cats, dogs, tigers, hamsters, ferrets, um, uh, mac macaques, um, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but other types of animals um, that um, are not just humans. So it's affecting a, a wide range of animals. And um, there were a few different mink outbreaks that were happening, and they were reported actually on the 23rd and 25th of April. And those farms that had um, the outbreaks, they had um, about 12,000 uh, um, animals and also uh, 7,500 animals, respectively. And the scientists um, from uh, looking at the um, infection rates of the minks, they were suspecting that um, they were being infected, the minks were being infected by infectious uh, droplets on feed and bedding or in desks containing uh, fecal matter. Last but not least is the story, um, the new story out of Australia. So African lion counts missed the mark, but new method shows promise. And this was out of um, uh, the Environmental um, News Network site. Uh, and so it's ENN.com. Really great stuff there. And so this was out of the University of Plymouth um, in Queensland, Australia the University of Plymouth, um, I think also in, there's a University of Plymouth in England, and I think one also in Australia. So uh, regardless, there have been huge declines in um, uh, lion populations, and it's been happening ever since the Lion King um, was released in 1994, um, ironically. And so their, their, their populations have declined by 50%. And current calculations estimate that there are between 20,000 to 30,000 lions left in the wild all across um, different uh, populations on about 2.5 million square kilometers of land in Africa. And there was a new technique that the researchers found to kind of uh, 
find and, and seek uh, these new animals, these, these uh, new um, numbers of lions that could be around, but they, have, they had no idea before. But now they're able to track their movement and the growth of the lions. And so uh, their method is to drive extensively and search for the lions themselves and then take high-quality photographs to individually identify them and then note their locations afterward. And the Queensland researchers, they trialed this technique to better understand the density and the status of populations. And they did this in Uganda's Queen Elizabeth Conservation Area. For more on the research, their research was published in Frontiers in Ecology and Evolution. Do you love Greener Thoughts? Supporting Greener Thoughts ensures more giveaways are available with even more exciting prizes, future Greener Thoughts merchandise, and surprises found only on Greener Thoughts. I greatly appreciate and love all of the listeners who have tuned in and who support Greener Thoughts by doing good for the planet. One of the many ways I would love your support is by clicking the second lower link in the description section of this episode. It's the direct support link for Greener Thoughts. ENN.com uh, is really doing a, a good uh, job when it comes to being one of the references I use in the news, and that's uh, kind of helpful for this podcast episode. And we're going to talk about snakes. Uh, I dislike snakes heavily. I'm not a fan. I hate them just like I do spiders. But particularly uh, in the U.S., uh, we have vast swaths of land that do happen to, you know, have snakes. And they populate those areas. And some are are pretty invasive and some are detrimental to populations of animals native to those uh, states and and areas, regions. So um, with the recent uptick of snake populations in Texas um, and the fact that snakes are really everywhere on the planet... Um, there's almost no a region, maybe except Antarctica, where snakes aren't um, naturally, um, but they are pretty ubiquitous. And so these rules, these tips, they do apply um, mostly to you know snakes all around and you um, encountering them. But uh, there are uh, different species which are particular to Texas themselves, um, and Texans know so. We're going to talk briefly about those and then get into the snake hotspots where they normally are, how to look out for them, and then other information and tips um, a little bit later. So when it comes to a non-venomous species, throughout Texas there's plenty, and so you may be familiar with these. I know I am with a few of them. Um, the garter snake is a familiar one, also called the garden snake. I've seen those before. I've had some uh, in my backyard. Um, rat snakes, uh, also known as chicken snakes, and also bull snakes. And then common venomous snakes include the western diamondbacked rattlesnakes, uh, copperheads, and the cottonmouth, which is also known as the water uh, moccasin. And then uh, different species, which makes sense, different species uh, have um, a different um, rate of encounter that you'll have depending on the region, specific locations. Not every snake we're going to uh, reference or even talk about or even you know, just know about 
uh, is in the same region, like snakes that are in, that are in uh, Florida are not uh, native to and live in Texas, for example. Same thing in, Cal- in um, Colorado or even Arizona, um, California, other states. These are the dry, arid states. So these are you know where snakes happen to populate. Other times, snakes are in other you know areas of the world which aren't dry. So every snake is different and information pertaining to one may not uh, pertain to all. So we're going to look at what to look for in snake encounters and we're going to talk first about snake hotspots and where they may easily um, be and where you can you know sort of uh, look out for them. And so you're going to find uh, first off that snakes love to slither in different places, namely places like trails and in and, and nature parks and on camping grounds and in uh, places where you're doing summer yard work around your house or maybe apartment somewhere else. And they live in places like dry and arid climates. Uh, sometimes you'll find them in uh, other places as well, other species of snakes uh, in rainforests or temperate uh, forests, for example. But in a place like Texas, uh, snakes are pretty important to the ecosystems there as a state. Um, and it makes sense because they control things like the insect populations and uh, the animals that aren't supposed to be there or at least control the population so they don't get out of control. And there are around 75 a snake species in Texas alone, in the Lone Star State, but only a handful, about a dozen of them, are venomous. So next up, how can we easily escape snake bites? Well, there's a few different ways. I'm going to briefly mention and talk about those. Now, one of the things that you can do is just avoid contact with the snake or any snake. This is not, not a time to, you know, go peekaboo with the snake, not a time to even, you know, play nature with it. This is a time to avoid snakes because sometimes they're going to be aggressive with you. And if you're in a, an area uh, where you can't escape, then it could be really dangerous for you. So if you hear, um, you know, maybe some uh, rustling of leaves or you see or hear a rattle uh, of a particular snake, you know, most often those are the venomous ones, you're going to want to watch out. So you're going to want to keep your distance. That's the first and, and most important thing. And one of the um, people within the, the um, article, you know, she's a, a wildlife specialist and she's um, she teaches and works at Texas A&M and she discovered and found a number of other ways to reduce problems when it comes to snakes. And so we're going to review those as well. So uh, snakes are, as you know, cold-blooded and they prefer the sun and stretching out in places that are pretty warm, like your average rocks, pavements, um, and other types of materials that kind of hold on um, to um, moisture and, and, and heat, um, especially uh, when uh, temperatures are a bit uh, cooler. They still love the heat. They love warmth. But in the uh, heat of the summer, sometimes they're going to prefer, you know, the shade. And so, you know, they'll see, you'll see them in places where they could be a little bit secretive, a little bit um, hidden from typical view. And so you do not want to mess with these snakes. Venomous snakes are typically... Um, 
wants to use their venom uh, for a defense uh, mechanism. And so they're going to give you warnings. Like I mentioned, rattlesnakes are going to rattle. You know, those are the venomous kinds I talked about. And they're going to do that before they strike you. And the Texas Department of Health Services, they even reported that 50% of reported bites from residents uh, in Texas, um, the venomous ones were dry, meaning that they did not contain venom uh, from the bite. Um, so with the snakes producing venom, the venomous ones, of course, they see it as an exhaustive task. It is um, kind of meaningless to go about uh, biting every um, a potential threat or a thing that scares them, etc. And so it takes a, a lot, a lot of uh, uh, energy to go ahead and produce the venom in the first place. So they're going to um, kind of protect themselves and not uh, using their fangs all the time. Uh, but when they do, um, you know, you want to get away from them as fast as you can. So really for them, uh, you'd rather just avoid them and they're going to try and um, do their best to avoid you as well, as well because remember, they don't want to use up all their, um, their resources um, as far as their venom because uh, they're pretty precious. Um, next, we're going to talk about how to reduce snakes close to home. So uh, if you have your home that is kind of near an area where snakes are abundant or you see them, you know, uncommonly, then uh, these are tips that you're going to want to listen in on. Uh, the first thing that you can do is that um, noting that really nothing as far as like a spray or a chemical can really get rid of snakes um, but one of the things that you can do is remove potential shelter uh, for the snakes to live in or even lay their eggs in um, and number two is to remove uh, food uh, next, you want to do things like uh, in removing uh, potential uh, shelter or uh, bedding or anything like that where a snake can go ahead and make its new home, you want to do things like cut the grass, uh, remove brush and trees and branches um, that are pretty uh, stagnant there, any debris or any trash laying around outside your home. Um, or property and you want to trim low branches on bushes and trees etc and remove uh, any type of place where you think a giant snake would just like to hide or coil up in. Objects like limber definitely, uh, things like plywood which is of course wood or sheet metal, um, anything uh, that you can find that would likely house a snake or snakes, this is the time to get rid of them. Number three is you can remove trash from outside areas, especially if it's bagged as well because you don't want any snakes hiding in uh, cracks and creases and crevices um, in trash bags because they can pile up, but you want to put those in, in something like a bin, a huge bin that maybe your county provides or your parish um, provides. Um, and then number four is you want to uh, teach your children, if you have children, or maybe your nieces or nephews or um, kids that you volunteer with, or maybe you're a teacher and you happen to be a wildlife specialist, or you know you happen to uh, really take a um, initiative when it comes to animal safety and animal care and protecting animals, um, you have a specialty maybe in snakes, you want to tell the little ones, the younger ones, about um, not climbing and playing in crevices and bushes with low-hanging uh, limbs, tree limbs. So you want to 
uh, effectively tell the children and teach them in, in ways that um, make sure that they don't play in places that aren't safe, in those um, you know, damp areas, uh, in bushes, things like that, um, because it, it will definitely be unsafe. And, you know, children sometimes are the most vulnerable when it comes to accidents like that because they don't, you know, run fast enough. They don't know how to protect themselves against those things um, in the moment. Um, so that's something that you want to definitely um, teach kids about. And next, we're going to briefly talk about uh, a few more things, uh, one of them being um, snake bites to people. So this is pretty nifty. So if you have a snake bite in this uh, information, or even if you uh, are likely even uh, to get a snake bite, or maybe it happens more often than not, these are tips for you. According to the specialist that I talked about, uh, she um, was talking about that snake bites, they happen to people, of course, but snakes usually will bite your lower uh, half of your body, so your feet, your legs, and maybe your hands uh, every so often. So for venomous snakes, you want to, of course, head to a hospital immediately, no questions asked. But after the bite, first thing uh, off you want to do is try to identify the snake species. You know, that's number one. Uh, number two is don't try to kill it. Even though you may be angry, upset, uh, you know, pissed off, maybe you, um, you know, having a, a even awfuler day uh, or even worse day um, because it basically tried to, you know, kill you or defend itself, uh, you sh just should not kill it. Um, that's ca causing more harm than good. Um, and then... Uh, Third, third tip is that you want to create a, a decent description of the snake or just take a photo of it. Someone can take a photo if maybe they're nearby or maybe you're uh, uh, with friends or family or something or someone was around to uh, witness uh, this whole event. And then number four is to uh, remove any clothing like socks. If you were bitten, let's say on your foot or items like rings on your fingers, if you were bitten on your hand because of swelling. Now, a uh, really important note is that tourniquets and even suction devices um, are not to be used um, to remove snake venom because they'll you know, definitely do more harm than good. Uh, and then hospitals, they definitely have anti-venom on hand to deal with the after effects of the bites. Now lastly, uh, talking about pets. Uh, these uh, tips are really important, especially if you have pets and preventing snake bites to your pets. So there was a different um, specialist. She's a clinical um, assistant professor, and she's also the emergency critical care specialist at Texas A&M. Christine Rudder, she has a bunch of different tips um, to prevent some of the worst effects um, for uh, pet bites and preventing them or even just having tips um, and information ready for if a bite does occur. One of the first things is to take a photo of that snake, but um, it's not necessarily um, vital for emergency veterinary care staff, but if you do want to have records just like in the, the previous um, part when it comes to you know bites to humans, you still want to have at least some uh, image or, or or reference so that maybe the staff know and they're able to they're able to get the the right uh, anti venom vials. 
Number two is to take your pet to a vet sooner rather than later, especially if there is a suspicion that your animal was bitten by a venomous snake. Uh, outcomes are, are going to be better if it uh, gets treatment early. The third tip is to uh, recognize that in turning on your lights at night, that is something that you can definitely do to prevent even looking at or you know being snuck up on a, a snake. Also, you go, you could go about checking your backyard area at night, um, or you know if you have maybe animals that are you know penned up or in their doghouse, for example, or anything like that. Um, you're gonna want to check in the backyard just to um, see if there are any snakes about or any eggs laying about, anything of that sort. Uh, you could also uh, make sure to make noise to announce your presence and really scare away the snake entirely. Um, and so this gives you a little bit um, of some um, you know, room for the snakes to leave so that you can go about your business. Um, and then number four is to get pet insurance for emergencies uh, that may uh, come up. All right, so everyone knows that I hate snakes um, probably as much, if not more, um, than my hate for spiders. But there are um, different signs for uh, snakes that are kind of um, peculiar when it comes to witnessing. You know, sometimes they may uh, cloak themselves as something else, but we should consider and know what these signs are so that if someone's uh, being affected or someone's, you know, bitten, you can, you know, know how to react properly. Now, even after something like a disaster, snakes are far away from their uh, natural uh, natural habitats and they're not, uh, you know, in their element. So they're going to try and get to their element and you may be in their path. You may uh, be just outside of the hurricane zone uh, and they're trying to get uh, back to their home uh, and somehow you all cross paths and maybe they feel uh, alerted and maybe want to defend themselves and you're not quick enough to get out of their way and you're bitten. You know, there are different signs you're going to want to look for. You're going to want to, of course, report that snake and or have someone else do it so they can uh, con contact animal control and get that uh, situation um, leveled. And so depending on the snake, there are different uh, effects that are going to, uh, you know, come upon you and different signs that you're going to want to look for. So we're going to briefly talk about those and then proceed in a little bit. So one of the first uh, tips, or not tips, but one of the first um, signs is you're going to want to, of course, look for the uh, puncture marks themselves at the wound site. Uh, and then another uh, sign, symptom, is any redness or swelling around the bite itself. Uh, next is severe pain at the site of the bite. So if it's stinging, if it's burning, if it's if it's itching, if it's uh, if it's annoying you, if it's uh, causing you immense stress and pain, then it's a sign that you, of course, of course, bitten, been bitten. Uh, any uh, nausea or vomiting; these are also signs as well. A labored breathing. So if you're having extreme, um, you know. 
resuscitation problems and, and, and you are not able to uh, capture your breath and, you know, you may be, um, you can't even maybe breathe altogether and someone's having to try to uh, conduct CPR on you and you're having those resuscitation problems, then that's an issue. That means that you've probably been bitten um, amongst other uh, instances. Uh, next is disturbed vision. Maybe you've had you have cloudy vision, distorted vision. You can't see uh, for a period of time. Uh, so that's another a symptom of a snake bite. Um, other times you may be maybe experiencing extreme salivation and and there's all types of saliva in your mouth or extreme sweating. Uh, maybe you um, are having just a numbness or tingling in your your face, limbs, extremities, and you can't feel certain parts of your body. That's also an extreme sign of uh, being bitten uh, by a snake. Uh, so all these are really important signs, symptoms. If you uh, know someone who knows someone who maybe is around snakes a lot, maybe doesn't you know see the the point in um, you know protecting themselves against snakes. This is a really important uh, part, a segment of the podcast episode to share with them. Amongst other things we learned uh, in covering the, the vital tips already, these are definite uh, signs that you won't, you won't you know want to look for on your phone in the moment or ask someone you know you know for help um, about you know what's going on with me. You'll know exactly. Okay, I have labored breathing. I can't breathe. I'm about to lose my vision. I have some swelling and pain pain at the uh, uh, bite site at the wound site, and I literally just vomited like five minutes ago. I need help. I have to call nine one one. Someone get me to the emergency room so I can get um, some medical care and get the anti venom vials in me. So you'll know what to do. You'll you know tell a friend or family or someone else, work colleague, and they'll know what to do. Um, so I really hope that these um, things, these these symptoms, really. Um, were succinct for you, you understand them, you can maybe write them down, keep them on a note card, uh, maybe keep them laminated, or just keep this episode on repeat. And next thing we're going to do is cover uh, just briefly in the next segment, just other tips as far as like what uh, not to do if you are already bitten by a snake or someone else you know already is. Mother Earth Minutes is where we all review in the next few minutes important proactive things we can all do to combat the issue in the episode. And as always, protect Mother Earth, protect yourselves. Uh, it's important for uh, you to you know write down these tips. They're really you know easy to follow um, and look for, especially if you're attacked by a snake or someone else is bitten by a snake. These were recovered from the CDC.gov, a great uh, website for all things, uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, known in the U.S., and it's part of their disaster recovery fact sheet, and there are different uh, things on that sheet period, but these are pretty uh, informative as far as what to look for um, and what not to do uh, if you've been bitten or someone else you know. Uh, it'll help Mother Earth because it'll help keep you alive. Um, it'll, it'll probably help prevent a snake death because remember, you're not supposed to, of course, um, kill the snakes, even though you may want to in retaliation 
Um, but as long as you get medical attention, uh, that's the most important focus and also capturing what the snake looks like. Uh, so number one, we're going to look at briefly, because uh, the, there's only a few uh, different uh, things just not to do. First off, do not pick up the snake or even try to trap it um, or even uh, anyone else uh, to uh, be advised to do that because they eat, they even may want to do that, but they're going to be even more at risk uh, to be bitten. Remember, snakes uh, definitely will uh, bite if they feel threatened, if they feel that they are at risk somehow, and they're uh, sometimes going to uh, inflict uh, pain in the, the course of having venom um, into your bloodstream and sometimes not but you don't want to test that uh, by trying to trap it or trying to injure it or even pick it up anything like that number two is you do not want to apply a tourniquet let the medical professionals on a site in route to you or if you're going to them handle uh, this um, potentially you know dangerous uh, situation Number three is to not slash your wound uh, with a knife. Don't uh, cut it any more than it needs to be cut. Don't don't risk um, infection. Don't risk anything with a knife or even your wound um, because it will definitely get worse. Number four is to not suck out the venom, even though you may want to be brave or put on your best Indiana Jones face. You don't need that in your life. You don't want to suck up venom because it will definitely uh, not work. And anyone involved is going to suffer, you know, serious consequences because you're, you're trying to a attempt at taking the venom from one uh, person to another. And what if something happens? Um, you don't want those ill effects. And if you get symptoms as well, there's going to be double trouble. So you don't want that as well. Uh, number five is to not apply things like ice or even immer emerge uh, the immerse the wound in water. You don't want to do that. Number six is to not drink alcohol as a painkiller. Well, this is uh, obvious for several reasons um, because you know you could black out, you know, drink too much. You could have a you know ill effect with the venom. You could um, you know put yourself in a, a deeper position uh, by being incoherent. You know, you want to be at your, your tip top as long as you can be into in in route to the hospital or until you know staff arrives and they're able to help you a bit more. But you you can't do anything to um, you know compromise your position already, especially with something like alcohol um, and then lastly number seven is to not drink caffeinated beverages uh, those are all of the important tips again I would suggest uh, laminating this information as soon as you write it down or type it out um, on some um, parchment or some a notebook paper something we have it on hand or just come back to this podcast episode I shared with someone, especially these tips are those who interact with wildlife like snakes uh, a lot. Citing public demand for clean energy, Tech Resources abandons its $16 billion uh, 260,000 barrel a day oil sands project in Alberta, Canada. That fact was sourced from the Sierra Club Sierra Magazine in the May-June 2020 issue.
everyone, we have reached the amazing point in the Green Your Thoughts program where we're going to talk about amazing brands, companies. Uh, I've been, you know, doing a lot of reviewing for a bit now since February 2019. And as always, I love talking about different companies, uh, having, you know, brands, you know, um, that I care about, uh, make products and services that do right by the planet. Um, have been around for, you know, decades, years, um, and they've been trusted uh, repeatedly again and again in the public eye. And I love sharing them with all of you. And I love hearing from uh, you about which products and services you love so I can try them as well um, and share them with other people. That is a really central point as to why I even do this segment um, because I want to share this information. But also, if you have brands out there, maybe you're the founder of, co-founder of, uh, I'd love to go ahead and experience them and share them with the world, the Greener Thoughts uh, audience and, and amazing listeners, all of you. So again, there's ways to go about doing that, either by voice message or uh, by email at greenandthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. And so we're going to jump into an amazing brand uh, of chips. I love them dearly. Uh, Anyone in the U.S. probably has heard of them uh, and probably uh, maybe abroad as well, especially because you can buy them, uh, their chips on Amazon. But they are known as Kettle Brand. So Kettle Brand began all the way back in 1982 after the founders were roasting different things like nuts and other types of goods and so they experimented with chips and making them kettle cooked. After doing a bit of sampling and trying these delicious chips, they were like, you know what, this has to be shared with the world. So they went about doing that. And so they really fused their vision of having natural, tasty, savory flavors uh, that create amazing, great taste, are wholesome, and everyone could love them. And also using their beat-up van to create the many flavors and get them to as many people as they can. Um, the amazing flavors of Kettle Brand of what you see today. So they have a bit uh, going for them as far as their sustainability, and they know this, uh, and so their products are amazing. They are all natural. Uh, They use uh, organic organic potatoes for most of their chip products, and they are gluten-free with their products. They are non-GMO project verified. They don't have any artificial ingredients or flavors. They're also kosher certified, and they don't have any trans fat. Also, Kettle Brand does more. They utilize biodiesel in the production of their chips. Their facilities run on solar energy. And in 2019, they began the process of with the packaging using 43% less. And their chip brand recently had partnered up with Pollinator Partnership and currently does. And enforcing that the uh, pollinators that are um, essential uh, to them are protected from harm. These pollinators are um, animals like bees, butterflies, and bats. And also, Kettle Brand uh, does great with the community. So they donate their products and their time to entities like schools, local organizations, uh, local uh, hunger relief agencies, and uh, they do a bit of volunteering and nonprofits. And again, uh, they do so much, they even give 55,000 pounds of potatoes to all those groups I mentioned. 
next, uh, when it comes to their product selection, they have so, so many chips. So I'm going to do you um, the wonderful duty of uh, mentioning all of them uh, in a mass so you can uh, figure out which ones that you uh, feel so inclined to maybe try, taste, sample. And these are amazing, tasty flavors. So I, I made them alphabetical. It took a bit of time, but I felt like you all are worth it, of course. So you'll probably uh, love these uh, different flavor listings. Uh, the first one is Backyard Barbecue, uh, Bourbon, uh, BBQ is the next one, uh, Chili Lime, Chili Verde, Fiery Thai, Himalayan Salt, Honey Dijon, Jalapeno, Korean Barbecue, Maple Bacon, New York Cheddar, sea salt, sea salt and vinegar, sour cream and onion, sriracha, tropical salsa, unsalted, and they also have their wood smoked sea salt. And then for their particular uh, other chips, which are um, different because of the way that the chips are styled or made, they have buffalo blue, as in like uh, blue cheese, which is in the crinkle cut chip variety. They have their country style barbecue, which are their organic chips. They have their dill pickle, which is the crinkle cut variety. They have their pepperoncini, um, and they also have their pepperoncini, uh, which are the their organic chips. They have their jalapeno, which are their organic chips as well. And they have their salt and fresh ground pepper, which are their crinkle cut chips. And then they also have their salt and fresh ground pepper organic chips. They have their sea salt chips in a few different varieties. They have the 40% less fat uh, chips. They have the uh, sea salt crinkle cut chips. And they also have their sea salt organic chips. And then they also have their spicy queso in their crinkle cut variety and their wasabi ranch in their crinkle cut uh, chip variety too. So my uh, experience in just uh, use of uh, crinkle uh, kettle brand has been amazing. Um, all because I, I have a few popular flavors that I love, like love love. Um, I've tried and love um, uh, sour cream and onion, jalapeno, that's like number two for me as far as like um, flavor or as much as I buy it, and then sea salt uh, and vinegar. So whenever I'm in somewhere like Subway or maybe doing grocery shopping, I will definitely try and snag a bag of these and, you know, buy them uh, in the, the bigger bags because they have the smaller bags, which you usually find at places like um, uh, sandwich shops, uh, franchises, things like that, or if you're at a place like uh, Target or maybe Walmart, they have the bigger uh, bags. So they have so many flavors. I love uh, that they're so delectable. These are the crunchiest chips uh, that you'll ever find. They are definitely one of a kind. They taste like no other. Um, and so you'll you know end up eating the whole bag in no time. And I, I love that they're, um, they're found at so many stores. And um, they're very uh, convenient to find. You can find them in store, online. They're pretty much uh, everywhere. And, you know, they're amazing, you know, with their flavor. They're top tier. They're unmatched. They're sort of the best chip ever, or one of the best, at least. My top three. 
and for me I do uh, love just you know getting them and buying them they're, they're really inexpensive um, but great quality you know it's kind of unmatched so I highly recommend these these are amazing for having a, uh, for lunch a packed lunch uh, general snack time or even maybe for a picnic or a date or something like that you will love uh, these chips can't go wrong with these they're great for kids they're amazing you get a lot of uh, use as far as like the amount that you you know get um, for the price, and so I give them a five out of five green thumbs up. Um, very uh, packed in flavor. You won't regret buying them. I do have a, a bit of a uh, downer when it comes to the packaging, but at least they have cut down on the packaging since 2019. Um, but I, I, I could if if you know um you know maybe in the future maybe hope at least for um their bags to be recyclable or something of that sort but um that is one thing that i would uh, improve upon but their uh the bags are really amazing and again definitely affordable and it's great because they come in the little bag sizes and also big bag sizes Kettle Brand is found on different social media platforms, uh, which I'll get to in a little bit, but you can find them definitely in-store and uh, online in uh, many places on uh, the website, uh, www.kettlebrand.com. You can find them at 7-Eleven, Amazon.com, CVS Pharmacy, Dollar General, Giant Stores, uh, Safeway, Shoppers, Target, Turkey Hill, Walgreens, Walmart, Wise. You can also find them at military, at base commissaries, and other places in the U.S. and probably abroad if you can find them. Um, Kettle Brand uh, is on the following social media platforms. Uh, Facebook at Kettle Brand. They're on Instagram at Kettle Brand. That's all one word, all lowercase. And they're also on Twitter at Kettle Brand Chips. To contact Kettle Brand, just go to their website, www.kettlebrand.com, and then go to contact us at the bottom of their website to call, email, mail them, or message them directly. Thank you all for listening and, you know, tuning into this episode. It's a bit unusual, namely because I don't ever cover snakes or snake bites, but somewhere, someone in the world is being affected by snake bites. And so it was, you know, only a matter of time for this episode to come out, but I learned some things and I'm glad to, you know, I've shared it with you all. I don't know who it will help or can't help, but Either way, um, I appreciate, you know, you listening and, you know, sharing this info, everything really uh, for Greener Thoughts and definitely will uh, keep the content coming and the episodes uh, flooding out. Um, I learned, you know, different things in, you know, researching this topic itself and I'll definitely keep this uh, episode on hand, especially if I travel to different places that have snakes or definitely when the snakes start coming out. Um, uh, when the weather gets a bit, you know, dry or, um, if the, uh, instance, you know, uh, comes about whether, you know, there's a snake increase in population, anything could happen. But this episode, uh, I think will be useful uh, definitely for the future or, or in other instances where you're around snakes or, uh, for people who, you know, interact with them, uh, often, you know, maybe, uh, you could learn about tips that they may have as well. So, uh, in any regard, uh, again, thank you for everything and listening uh, to this uh, podcast episode. Until next time, please take care of yourselves and also the planet. 
Everyone be well. Bye.